The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, the Isle of Man's main Net Zero progress website. Pastor Mike, good afternoon. Welcome to Man in Line on Max Radio. Well, the big news today, aside of the new ferry terminal, aside of where is our maximum ship going to be, aside of what's going to happen to airlines at Ronald's Way, that meat brochure as well, still uh, knocking around. It's uh, doing the rounds in the south of the Isle of Man. £30 million on bank and agency staff for Manx Care. And Jeffrey Boots appalled, apparently. Did you hear that? But apart from that, you may be uh, sitting quietly swearing at your phone today uh, because Manx Telecom has got some uh, work out and about in the east of the Isle of Man, which is causing disruption to copper and fibre broadband services. All copper broadband services affected uh, around uh, Annika, Baldrine, uh, Braddon Bridge, Peel Road, uh, Bear Cam, Balacotia, Century Court, Copse Hill, Donkey Fields, Douglas Head Apartments, Empress Apartments, uh, Farm Hill, Hawarden Avenue, Head Road, Marlborough Court, Millennium Court, Victoria Crescent, Princess Road, Pull Rose, Piccadilly Court, Point Apartments, uh, Palace View Terrace, Queen's Apartments, Key West Apartments, Riverside Apartments, Saddlestone, Snugborough Avenue, Spectrum Apartments, Stevenson Way, Strang Close, Strang Road, Santon Spring Valley, Westminster Drive, York Road and Douglas Central at Copper Broadband Services, Fibre Broadband Services uh, affected in Central Douglas, Douglas Head, Marine Drive, Port Sodrick, Newtown, Mount Murray, Alaman Business Park, Farm Hill, Pull Rose, Cotterbridge Road, Woodburn Road, Central Prom, Harris Prom, Lock Prom and surrounding areas. Now, if you're in an affected area, you'll get a loss of fibre broadband. They're safe for up to 20 minutes and are losing copper broadband for over two hours, two hours, 20 minutes. So if, if your router doesn't automatically reconnect, it suggested you reboot it, turn it off and turn it on again. Uh, before you contact your service provider, Max Telecom are very sorry about this. But uh, that's the way it is. So if you're having trouble receiving or calling today, that's the reason if you're in one of those areas in the east of the Isle of Man, Manx Telecom is doing essential maintenance on copper and fibre broadband services. It'll be fine when it's done. Douglas Council set its rate for the next financial year up 10%. The borough's rate's 468p in the pound. It's going to go up to 509p in the pound. The council leader, Claire Wells, says it was unavoidable for the rates to go up. Couldn't do anything else. There was no other thing uh, for the rates to go How how much do they save on those dustbins, by the way? She says external pressures such as inflation, high energy costs and increasing interest rates uh, are the reason for it. So if you're in Douglas, your rates are going up 10%. And uh, it's unavoidable, apparently. Julian's on now. Hi, Julian. Hi, Andy. Yeah, with that uh, cutout in all the uh, fibre broadband and everything, it makes you wonder if the uh, fire alarms in all these buildings will be able to communicate with the uh, fire station if anything was to be untoward. I'm just um, wondering why they couldn't do it overnight. Well, yeah, it's, it's odd. You know, it wouldn't be so much use. But, um, yeah, just, um, just a quick follow-up on the conversation yesterday. Um, I noticed there was a letter 
that was sent to DEFA in April of last year um, highlighting that the existing rear fire escapes and stairwells on the old nurses' home have been removed from the proposed scheme's plans. And that appears to run against existing legislation that we mentioned yesterday called Fire Precautions Houses in Multiple Occupation and Flats Regulation 2016-0218, which states that there must be a secondary means of escape. Um, now, the new plan when you look at it closely, it also indicates that the corridors are open plan, which potentially could allow a fire to spread unimpeded. No fire doors. And I wonder if... Um, um, no fire doors. Not on the plan that I can see. Um, if you download it and look, yeah. um, where it shows like two, two end-to-end apartments, the corridor doesn't seem to have a break at all. Um, and I also wonder if the apartments without a balcony will have those hotel style windows you know the ones that only tilt but you can't open them oh fully. yes i know the ones yeah and i'm just thinking for context um not trying to be alarmist but the grenfell action group published a warning four years prior to the grenfell tower fire warning of lack of exits from the building in the event of a fire and i'm just considering there's, on the planet's well, it says there's going to be 56 e-bikes containing lithium batteries in the old nurse's home basement. So you'd think the fire regulations will have to be carefully considered because you've seen you, if you just put in um, either electric vehicle fire or lithium battery fire, you see those things go up like a bomb within a couple of seconds, a bit of smoke and it's away. Um, and I am mindful of the old Summerland disaster. So, you know, you kind of think we, we are a bit more sensitive over here normally to things like that. Well, um, all I can do is reiterate the fact that we are inviting uh, the Bank Development Corporation to come in man- on Manila and have a bit of a chat about it all. Um, I and- did notice, actually, um, in the paper, um, in the examiner this morning, there's a double spread on it. And I noticed that there's a Karen Mayer, who's the project manager of the, the whole scheme there and i noticed on her linkedin profile um, during her time she was working as an architectural technologist in cape town and she describes herself as and i quote managing consultant team and project deliverables within strict and often unrealistic deadlines and budget constraints um but i I think with something like this it doesn't really want to be rushed because it sounds like she's kind of somebody who likes to get things done as quickly as possible and get obstacles out the way from what i can see from a profile well we'll see but uh that that mean that whole uh, approach now what's going to happen the the 20 minute city and the fact that it you know it's it's a it's a brave new world that we're now having um you just wonder you know is that the place to do it? Is that close enough to, to Douglas? Are you going to get people there who will want... You know, if people want to retrofit a vehicle, if people go there with all the intents of not having a vehicle, but at some point get a vehicle, what happens then? It's going to put constraints on people's lifestyle, you would have thought. Yeah, I mean, you know what it's like around there. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll... If, if, if something like that went in, um, it'll spread, won't it? Um, but... Um, Stephen yesterday, every point he made was he was very eloquent and he really, really made a lot of sense with that. Um, and of course, you know, this isn't about making money with them, um, you know, sort of high concentration. I mean, if you've got over 500 people living in that area, you probably find that, um, I mean, London's got 14,500 per square mile. You probably find 500 in that area, something similar to the concentrations that you find in London. 
Mm. Um, okay. All right, Julian, we appreciate that. Thanks, Andy. Thanks Cheers. for being with us today. It's good to hear from you. Uh, a note also yesterday, I think it's Alistair dropped me a note in just to say there is a green space near to, uh, to Domain Road at Kensington Road. It's the, um, I think it's the back of Balakameen Drive, isn't it? It's the allotments there. A very green space, he said. I know I've got one. Howard's on now. Hi, Howard. Hi, Andy. Um, just uh, with Julian there. Um, and one of the things, if that same uh, sort of programme for housing, etc., was going to be built by a private enterprise, the planning permission would have been refused because of the number of vehicles that uh, would have to be accommodated within that area. But because it's government-backed, uh, in a sense, um, it seems to just rolling itself through. Well, and, I, think, uh, it, I think we're entitled to a bit of an, an explanation about this, don't you? Oh, certainly, certainly. Uh, as I say, if it had been private enterprise, they would have been... Uh, well, it said you've got to provide X number of um, parking spaces for X number of cars, but it doesn't seem to be in this case. But what I was coming on for, um, on one of your websites, on the news websites the other day, it said there was 30 million spent on um, agency staff within the hospital group. £600,000 um, a week that, that comes out at. Yep. Uh, well, what made me think was, how many of the what we term as permanent staff within the hospital are on the bank and coming in and doing agency work? And how many of the consultants are coming in as locums and doing agency work? Um, and then you have a lot of people who come from across maybe uh, during the week and then fly back again for the weekend to go home. Um, and now these are all costs that, um, well, probably contribute to the 30 million. So they give you the figure and they give you a period of time, but they don't give you any breakdown of those figures where the, the, the money was uh, spent. And I think the devil is always in the detail with this, Howard. It is because um, it can be glossed over quite easily. 30 million, that's X number of pounds per month and this, that and the other. And then it will slide into the long grass and be forgotten. But I think the question should be asked is how many of our staff are here permanently employed by the DSC um, are on the banks for the agency and how many are coming back in at uh, an increased rate uh, on their time off? Mm. Okay. All right, Howard. You take care. Appreciate that. Thank you for that. And notice in uh, Peter who just said, uh, regarding this and regarding the fact that Manx Care said we seem to be struggling to recruit people, is a f behind the fact that some consultants have left, is this uh, because we don't have a private patient ward anymore? There used to be a private patient's unit uh, for years and years and years, but obviously I think it was prior to TT, uh, sorry, prior to uh, COVID it was, um, that uh, it d disappeared. And uh, they've put, I think, various uh, pictures out to get people to actually run a private um, uh, patient unit, you know, people like Spire or uh, Booper and people like that. We don't know who's pitched for it, but uh, Peter just said, is the reason that we don't have uh, so many consultants the fact that we don't have a private patient unit? That would be one way that uh, consultants would top up their money by doing private work. Nothing wrong with it, it's perfectly legal, but if we're not offering consultants the opportunity to make money, and remember, they are in business, they are there to maximise their income, it's what they're in the uh, profession for, outside the altruistic 
uh, motives of it all. They do want paying, and if we're not allowing them to make money because we don't have a private patient unit, we're not doing ourselves down. It's something to ponder. Well, Manxcare, this is the story. Manxcare spent more than £30 million on agency healthcare staff and bank workers in 2022. That is 600 grand a week. A little less than, well, a little more than £90,000 a day. Uh, figures released as a part of a response to a Freedom of Information request show the cost of employing additional resource. Well, the chief exec of Manxcare is Teresa Cope, and she says the healthcare board inherited a vacancy rate of one in five, twenty percent, and based on its staffing budget, would expect to spend would expect to spend thirty eight to forty million pounds on bank and agency workers. She says Manxcare is looking to recruit and train new staff. We are absolutely focused on recruiting to all of our vacancies, but we have talked lots of times about just how challenging that is, just the workforce gaps that exist both here, but also in the UK. But we are absolutely committed to addressing that gap, um, which is looking at recruiting substantive consultants to reduce our reliance on agency workforce, extending the number of um, domestic production of of workforce, so additional nursing places, etc., and trying to make the island um, as attractive as possible by developing um, more specialist roles, looking at rotational roles um, as as, as an integrated health and care organisation. So, you know, I think in context, we would expect to spend that sort of money, making sure we are delivering a full range of services as possible. Could that £30 million actually have been spent on perhaps giving existing staff a pay rise or making posts, giving them a higher salary to make them more attractive to the workers that we want to bring to the island? Has that been looked at, actually making the profession incentivized, if you like, use the, the money that would have been spent on bank and agency staff to actually plough into the full-time positions and, and hope that people would take them up with that sort of incentive of, a, of higher pay? Obviously, if you pay staff more money, you might well be able to retain staff. You might be able to attract more staff for that slightly higher salary. But that doesn't mean to say you get any more workforce hours as a result of that. So if you equated that, you know, 30 million, you know, there is an absolute limit to how much extra our staff can work. I think we've always got to balance um, a fair a fair salary, a fair pay offer. We are funded at 6% from Treasury and we've, that's what we've offered across to our staff. And it's, it's balancing that substantive recruitment against the need for covering um, our, our vacancy factor. Plus also acknowledging there are some specialist skills and roles that we don't need on a long-term basis on the island. We need them for a short amount of time and they are best secured through an agency rather than bringing somebody long-term into a specialist post that we might not need in 12 months' time. Now, that makes sense. The budget is there. That's the situation they find themselves in. They inherited a vacancy rate uh, one in five. But the bottom of this is why can't we get people to come to the Isle of Man to work in the health service full time as a career for a while? 
why is it that we seem to be struggling now? Is it just symptomatic of the situation that's happening in Western Europe or the Western world or the world? Shortage of medical professionals. I mean, uh, I don't know whether you remember, uh, I think it was when the chair, um, Andrew of, uh, uh, of MagsCare was in, I asked him if uh, you know medicine is a career for life. He said, yes, there's a shortage of medical professionals absolutely everywhere. And we're finding the brunt of this. So that's that situation. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on that, thank you, Alistair, who said, by the way, it's not Balakamine, um, it's Balakamine Road, not <laughs> by St. Catherine's Drive, where the... Uh, uh, the allotments are there. Uh, Manx Telecom, John dropped a note in. Manx Telecom tell us they've got an island wide problem with their landlines, which they're trying to sort out. Our landline's dead for outgoing calls and engage for incoming. So if yours is working, give us a call on 66 13 68. Has anybody at Manx Radio phoned the Steam Packet or Chris Thomas to find out what's happening to our new ship? The Manxman, it was it, due in Southampton two weeks ago, says Terry. And if you look, you'll see it's still in Korea. I wonder where it is. Um, I used to be an unfit 64-year-old who didn't fancy hills, but I have a daily, low daily dose of statins for eight years to date. Now it's a case of Westmoreland Road. What hill? No bad side effects at all, says Richie. We had somebody in yesterday uh, talking about statins, about the fact they've been prescribed um, in great numbers for years and years and years. But Richie said no bad side effects at all. Don't let yourself be left on a higher dose of statins than your body actually needs, as this can lead to issues. I live in Port St. Mary, and if I go to Castletown, I walk. Port St. Mary to Castletown, walk there and back, says Richie. On a nice summer's day, I may walk to Douglas via footpaths and the back roads. Occasionally, I walk back too. Bus service is fine when I use it, uh, but I'm no longer a slave to the car, and I don't miss it at all. But I love the money I save on running costs, insurance and on parking, plus the reduction on carbon emissions, says Richie. A portent for the future. And um, uh, the fact that, uh, I mean... I'll just take you back 20-plus years ago, really, when maybe I'll go back 30 years. Do you remember when absolutely everybody smoked? When everybody smoked, and it was the thing to do. It was a very social thing to do. Everywhere you went, people were smoking. And then suddenly, uh, the Western world kind of woke up to it, and the fact that uh, smoking is not entirely good for your health became the, the prevalent thought and philosophy. And now, go out. Nobody smokes. Go to public buildings, nobody's allowed to smoke. You'll see people huddled outside having a fag, but nobody smokes inside. Maybe it's that paradigm shift in thinking that will happen for the future, for our green future. Suddenly, people who don't walk now will suddenly find it's actually good for you. It is good for you. Exercise is good for you. Physically, it's good for you. Mentally, it's good for you. Maybe this is the kick that we all need to actually do a bit more walking. But you say, what will the government do about it? To make it safer, also to make uh, public transport a lot more available. Well, thank you for that, Richie. We appreciate that. Uh, and uh, just before we get back to the phones, uh, no landline in the south, says uh, John on 557 on the text. Uh, there's still that all outage, says John in Peel, the all uh, island outage uh, for landlines as well. Some landlines are working. Landlines are off in Port Erin, says Sal. Good to hear from you, Sal. Uh, and here's a message in that just said, 
uh, has there been a cyber attack at the post office? We tried to post a card to the Republic of Ireland and was told they couldn't take it due to nothing going to Europe because of that. That was last week, wasn't it? Is that still going on? It was just a week ago. Nothing is being reported, says Kevin. Can you still post? Ray's with us now. Hi, Ray. Hi, Andy. Afternoon to you. Uh, it's just a couple of queries, like, you know, one is about the price of fuels. I noticed petrol and diesel has come down 4 or 5p or whatever the case may be in some garages. But the thing that does concern me is I ordered some central heating oil yesterday and was told that it all depended on how much I ordered. And the prices ranged from 93p.5 per litre to 101.8 per litre. And I'm just wondering, you know, I mean, how do, you know, how do pensioners manage who've got oil heating? They can't afford to fill the tank up to get the lower prices. And why are they stuck at the higher prices um, I mean, it's 10p a litre more yeah. to get it. And why, if petrol and diesel are coming down, why doesn't the fuel oil come down? And I was told when asked that, oh, it was because it was refined paraffin. Refined paraffin? Yeah. Which comes out as kerosene. I'm a- you know, I was just totally baffled. I mean, uh, there is quite a lot, as you know yourself, there's a lot of pensioners around the island. Well, how can they afford to order 600 litres to get the lower price? I mean, most of them order a couple of hundred litres at a time, which is all they can afford, and yet they have to pay the higher price, which is over a pound a litre. Wow. And uh, what what did you want to say about electric bikes, Ray? Well, right. Now, on the mainland, across the water, on the other island, whatever you say, the government has an incentive going, and it's called Bike to Work. And because of the price of electric bikes, which is rather high, they help out anybody who is trying to buy one. They give a payment and they also take it out of your weekly wages to pay whatever, you know. And I'm just wondering, has the Isle of Man got a scheme the same? Yeah, there was a a bike-to-work scheme. Lots of uh, companies are providing bikes for people and there are discounts available, yeah. No, it's just that, uh, you know, I went to check up on one last week like and was told well it was going to cost a thousand and fifty pound and i and i asked the uh, crowd like i said well how about a work to skip oh we don't do them they cost us money oh good grief mm. yeah i was told that if i wanted one i could go to the likes of conister trust and borrow the money and are you going to be getting an electric bike well, at the moment, no, because I can't afford one, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know everybody's pushing to get them, but if there's no help, it's not going to be very successful, is it? 
Yeah, you wonder how much it's got to come down before people will do it. Because, I mean, years ago, do you remember mobile phones cost an arm and a leg and now you can get them fairly cheaply? So I wonder whether that will happen to electric bikes. Well, this is it. And then, I mean, we've got another worry about it because some of these electric bikes and the lithium batteries seem to be breaking out into fires. Yeah, Yeah, that's always a problem with those batteries, isn't it? And that's something that's got to be sorted out. You wouldn't want it to happen when he was sitting on it, would you? Certainly not, no. (laughs) No, but, you know, it seems like if it's a half-hearted scheme, why don't they do something about it and sort it out, you know? Good point, Ray. All right, thanks for calling us today. Okay, bye, Andy. Good to hear from you 29 minutes before one. Whatever happens, says text to 406, to 1.5 car parking spaces per residential unit. Uh, time to get rid of John texted on 404. It's time to get rid of Douglas Corporation, Council, whatever they are. Can their duties not be done by central government? Surely these people have caused nothing but trouble. Um, I think they're incompetent, says John. Well, the rates are going up 10%, and um, uh, obviously we're now getting, uh, if you're in and around Douglas, half the bin collection there. Uh, Did David get his Love Isle of Man cards? Uh, So we know. David, did you get your Love Isle of Man card? Thank you, uh, Texter 538, for that. We, Eric, says, Andy, we should support the new development at the nurses' home. There's never been any car parking serving the old Lord Street flats. The reason for this scheme is to allow people to live in the Douglas City Centre where you can easily walk around and find a bus. Also, regarding uh, Stephen Pitts, Councillor Pitts' negative comments on the children's park, there is a play area just a few hundred yards down the road. The application should be supported, says Eric. Yes, there is. There's a, well, it's, a, it's a, a playground, isn't it, with... Um, with uh, swings and roundabouts and what have you, a couple hundred yards down the road, uh, just uh, by Circular Road, isn't it? By the Children's Library. So there is a facility there for children. Now, the other thing about expecting people to cycle to work, says Sue, is that many parents have a school run before and after work and have to do some shopping and drop the kids to after-school activities. It's not just a matter of going to work and back on a bike. Uh, these figures are eye-watering, says Brian. What's going on for the Isle of Man to spend money like there's no... Are you talking about the $30 million for Manx Care Bank workers? Well, sounds like it's in the budget. And so it's not a kind of a, 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 an extra unexpected cost. It sounds like they're always planning for this, but you, you just wonder. I hope a lot of first-time buyers' accommodation is included in this new development, uh, for our young to get a start on the ladder, we need to be able to make all the Manxes stay and make it affordable for our current under-25s to give back to those families who've paid all their life to make the island fabulous. Better the devil you know, says Nicola. Well, that, that's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's making sure that young people, um, some of whom will have gone away to university and further education, higher education, and come back and then find that the Isle of Man doesn't really have what they've seen in big cities around England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales and Ireland. So we have to make the Isle of Man more attractive to young people. And also, when people come across to work on the Isle of Man, we've got to make it advantageous for them to stay. It's in our interest for to have a workforce that um, makes sure all the public services can be delivered 
If we're short of people, supply and demand really, isn't it? £30 million on supply staff. You could buy almost a uh, new half-falling-to-bits promenade for that. So I don't think it's the same budget, Frank, Frank, Frank Francis. Um, We'll just hope our lovely new boat, the Manxman, won't cause the ongoing problems the new diesel train has been troubled with, says Laura. Well, this thing about the... We're discussing this this morning in Keys. Uh, when will the new ferry terminal in Liverpool be ready to bring passengers to the Isle of Man? This is the one that's just down the road from the new Everton ground that's being built. And, importantly to many people, which division will Everton be playing in? Uh, that was the question put to Infrastructure Minister Chris Thomas. I don't think he's a Toffees fan anyway. In Keys this morning, work is progressing on this new improved site. Do you remember how much that went up from, what was it, £35 million to over £70 million it's costing? Chris Thomas, MHK, explains, apparently the weather has hindered the building of our brand new Linkspan and Sea Ferry Terminal. The marine works continue to present challenges due to the testing environment and poor recent weather. In the first weeks following the Christmas shutdown, high winds hindered progress with the scour protection works in the river due to the inability to operate the crane. Prior to Christmas, approximately 30% of the scour works were in place. <coughs> the final com- com- uh, completion is likely to be affected by the marine works, it seems. I can confirm that the, le- that the estimated mm. date for completion remains September, summer 2023, although this date is at risk as indicated clearly in the recent Department of Infrastructure departmental plan. The department is in regular dialogue with the Isle of Man steam packet to ensure future operational activity dates, etc. are coordinated and planned, including in respect to the Liverpool ferry terminal. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and thank you, Minister. Um, some interesting updates within the answer, but the two fundamental questions really still out there that need to be answered are... Um, summer 2023 is um, a quarter of the year. It's a significant time frame, and you're hoping to complete within that period. Um, are you getting concerned that it's not going to be finished before the autumn or even later? And also, in terms of the budget, um, you made reference to additional works and things there. Can this work be completed in terms of the existing budget that's been allocated for it? Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's a triple I. Thank you, um, Mr Speaker. <coughs> Officers continue close liaison with the Isle of Man steam packet in terms of progress and expected completion dates. The Isle of Man steam packet company is known for some time. The operational target of sept- summer 2023 and therefore made plans uh, around the whole of the 23-24 season um, on the basis of what they expect and what's estimated and their full knowledge of the ongoing activity. In terms of the budget, as I've said uh, Previously, again, in the context of the Department of Infrastructure Departmental Plan debate, um, that remains amber. It's at risk. It might be that the uh, final um, budget is uh, lower than the uh, estimate. It might be that it's over. It might be dead on. There is. <laughs> well, you you pays your money, you takes your choice. Uh, it might be upper, it might be lower. Um, Chris Thomas talking about... Um, uh, exactly where that is going for the Liverpool Ferry Terminal, whether it's going to be there on time, and also whether the boat's going to be there on time. At the moment, it's still in Korea. Should have been in Southampton, being fitted out with plush new seats and loads of cabins. There are 50 cabins, I think, on this new boat. 
Uh, but it's not. It's still uh, zooming around career at the moment. Uh, Andy says, Mike, uh, this uh, development won't get through building control without the proper fire regulations. The man in the hotel uh, just kept being told uh, to do more and more fire prevention work as they were building it. Um, uh, Rumour is that they sent the budget to high rise, uh, says Mike. So this new development just simply won't get uh, the... Um, uh, the approval. Uh, thank you, Rob in Hastings. Hastings, hello. Rob, it uh, looks like the Manxman could be in dry dock at the moment, looking at uh, uh, the websites that show you where ships are. The Manxman, uh, this is what, 20 minutes ago, it looked to be in dry dock, so they may have finished the sea trials. Uh, work's got to be done to uh, rebuild confidence in air travel to and from the Isle of Man. This is something that's come up, bubbled up all sorts of times. And with the recent demise of Flybe, and uh, Flybe's gone into, uh, well, it disappeared again. Well, actually, the current company wasn't the same as the old company, but it was the same brand, if you like. It wasn't the same company that operated it. I got a note him uh, from somebody who said this should send a message out with regard uh, for the, for some form of regulation. It's strange that when Flybe announced a return to operations to the Isle of Man, the airport director welcomed it enthusiastically. While uh, some of us, I think this person's in the industry, uh, some of us who understand the industry knew the whole thing was going to be smoke and mirrors, where Cyrus Capital, the people who were running it, they're only running it in order to try and pass it off as a going concern, which it was anything but, and anybody in the aviation industry knew that, especially when they cancelled their um, timetable at the Isle of Man with less than two days' notice. That should have sent uh, warning flags for everybody. Had Flybe returned to the Isle of Man, I've no doubt they would have left a trail of debt behind them owing long thousands in handling fees and landing charges. So the airport director, our new airport director, should have known this and should have stymied any return instead of welcoming them. Thankfully, Flybe made the decision to deploy the aircraft on another route into Heathrow, so effectively saved the DOI from another debacle. And debacle it would have been, says this correspondent. So the whole Flybe thing, the building trust and confidence into air travel to and from the Isle of Man, let's face it, and I don't know whether we're looking with rose-coloured glasses back at, at um, Manx Airlines and, you know, the fact it was always um, it was always wonderful. I do remember people used to complain about the price of it, but it was, it was very, very convenient, and above all things, it was very Manx. Everybody knew somebody who worked there. You spoke to a real person... And we all have got tales of being uh, moved on to an earlier flight. When you were at Liverpool and had your business done, if there was space on an earlier flight, they'd move you to the flight. Can you imagine trying to do that nowadays? How many forms you'd have to fill and how many call centres you'd have to go through? So what's going to do... And whose responsibility is this? This whole thing about open skies is, is very, very trendy. But is it right for the Isle of Man? Uh, now we've got, um, let's have a look. It's Brenda with us now. Hi, Brenda. Yes, hello. Um, I just want to warn people who may have home insurance and policy with um, insurance companies who are not on the Isle of Man or not represented, represented by an agent on the Isle of Man to check their cover. 
because I found that my house insurance had expired on the 20th of December. I received no renewal notification or any other communication from the people concerned. And they, I was told that they were no longer insuring properties on the Isle of Man. And um, what's the what was the company? The company was AXA. Oh, okay. And no explanation uh, as to why? No explanation. It was just uh, because I had a feeling that I had an insurance due that I looked it up. But I'd had no notification. They just said they were, were not insuring companies with that postcode. And have you got home insurance now? Yes. Yes, I have. So, um, I mean, how do you feel about the fact that they, they couldn't be bothered to tell you? Well, as I've been with them for 22 years, um, I thought it was appalling. And uh, so I wrote to them, and I got a letter back from them, um, which said, unfortunately, we were unable to offer a renewal invitation for the following reasons. The postcode area is no longer acceptable to us. Um, they agreed to cover me for two weeks um, while I sorted out some insurance here, and um, they sent me a letter which was um, posted on the 16th of January, which I received late afternoon on the 26th of January, which was the day that the insurance that they were covering me for expired. And, um, and um, that was it. The, the letter was unsigned and no real apology for anything at all. Well, I, I wonder why anybody would look at any underwriter or assessor would look at an IM postcode and think that there was a problem there. Yes. I don't know, but I just wanted to warn other people right. who may have insurance with companies off the island just to check that they are fully covered. Right, good point. Okay, Brenda, we appreciate that. Thanks for calling today. Thank you. All right, good to hear from you. If you're, uh, oh, now go scrabbling for those pieces of paper. Whereabouts are they? Under the microwave, at the back of the hairdryer, on the mantelpiece. Check your home insurance, particularly if you're insured off-island. New year, new business. Achieve your business goals with Nicola Balker & Co. We understand the challenges and can advise and assist you on your way. Nicola Balker & Co. Accountants and Tax Advisors, helping businesses in the Isle of Man for 19 years. Manx Utilities are currently replacing prepayment customers' key meters with new smart electricity meters in homes in Douglas. As a smarter pay-as-you-go customer, you can access our new Smarter Living app to keep an eye on your energy use in real time and to top up your credit quickly at a time that suits you. You can also top up at selected stores and via our website. To find out more about the changes, visit the Smarter Living page at manxutilities.im. Today, more than ever, companies need to consider the health and well-being of their people. In response to growing demand, Zurich has enhanced its corporate customer offering in the HR employee benefit sector. Zurich's group life and income protection now includes employee advice and support for a wide range of health and well-being issues, from bereavement counselling and family issues to mental health support and legal information. Help to maintain a happy, healthy and productive workforce with Zurich. Talk to your financial advisor today. 
Zurich International Life Limited is regulated with the Isle of Man Financial Services Authority to provide life assurance, investment and protection products under the Isle of Man Insurance Act 2008. Jump aboard the time train and take a trip back to the 1960s on Carnaby Street every Saturday morning at half past eight with Isle of Man Railways. It's full of 60s hits and memories. On board the time train, Gladys the tea lady. Right, boys? Harry the driver. Hello, crispy old mate. Roger the fireman. All aboard Isle of Man Railways time train. Oh, and Raffles the dog. And of course you and me. You can win tickets for two for one of the Isle of Man Railway's fantastic dining car experiences. Carnaby Street, half past eight, on Manx Radio, on AMFM online, on smart speakers, and all over the world at manxradio.com. The Man in Line, brought to you by netzeromatrix.com, your one-stop shop for advice on renewable energy solutions and other green initiatives. Pastor Mike, good afternoon, 14 minutes before one. Uh, text to 753, instead of blaming Manx Care for the moment, I think we need to blame the government for what Manx Care inherited and what they're having to deal with. Uh, one in five uh, vacancies at the moment. And, uh, maybe they'll make the uh, shortfall up by charging for Nobles Hospital car park. You never know, do you? David's on now. Hi, David. Hi, Lanny. I just wanted to ask um, if we can't get people to come in and explain situations like the housing uh, authority there, which is actually funded by the government, the land's owned by the government, and all the participants into the planning issue will be government departments, including the fire service. And I just wonder whether we could have maybe a request to the chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, that's Mr. Watterson, to come in and just explain some of the issues where he's feeling as our um, guru for protection of um, the overspends or um, difficulties that government have, and he could explain those issues to us and make us more satisfied. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, where does the the, the, the Public Accounts Committee, they haven't appointed that Auditor General yet, have they, by the way? Uh, I don't think so. No, but what does the public, I mean, in your experience, what does the Public Accounts Committee, does it have teeth? What can they do? Well, it does report, I mean, it does exist. I mean, the main thing is, it's, it's the only vehicle, I think, personally we've got is to examine something like uh, the boat, the steam packet dock and so forth, and the excuse to use that the weather's bad. I mean, anybody uh, planning something in the Northern Hemisphere in a, in a tidal area would have a risk factor, wouldn't he? Uh, any bombs? No. Yes. Um, any of this? The, does the weather get windy in, in Liverpool or does the uh, the Mersey's um, beat up with water and swell and whatever. Well, you would have thought, you know, building something in the docks, to, to, as you say, to say, will there be wartime ordnance? Well, probably, yes. The, the voids that they were talking about, I mean, surely yeah. somebody would have factored all this in. Bear yeah. in mind, we're paying d- over double what it was budgeted for. And, yeah. and uh, I-, I mean, bad weather, crikey, come on. I know, yeah. And that's the issue, I feel, as all the major issues we've got and the length of the promenade and what's been done uh, or been added on top of the promenade scheme to make it what it is at the present time and how much was the overspend, who authorised those overspends because it could only be the minister, Mr Thomas, or Treasury that could do that. And the same with the the, the dock as well. We need to, we're not stupid as, as a population. We need the information to say, to make a judgment to say, was it good value for money or did we miss anything? And the other thing with government is, have they learned any mistakes? And remember, we're going to be using this darn thing for years, <laughs> 20, 20, 30 odd years we're going to be well, using this. And still to this day, nobody's quite explained 
how much further it is to walk. Coming out of that sea terminal mm. in Princess Half-Tide Dock, walking to where, I mean, you know, it's it's a fair old schlep. And if people are going to have to walk that, um, you yeah. know, whereas before with, with the current uh, ferry terminal in, in Liverpool, you know, you can get in the car. If you've got half an hour to spend, you can nip up to... Uh, uh, to uh, the shopping centres and what have you, but uh, that's yeah. not going to happen now. But things will follow on from that. There'll be opportunities for people to have minibus services, and uh, there are pre- plenty of private privateers which love it, would love the contract on that. Well, but, yeah, like, let, like, let's hope. Yeah, well, that's the issues. They're the ones that's there. When it's done, we come to conclude before it's done. But what I say is, the other thing too is, I wish the government, and we could write into the government or the chief minister and just say, call the planning application in in West Mullen Road. There's too many conflicts of interest. And now I, I believe the, the DOI, whether Chris Thomas likes it or not, is a landlord. So what's the difference between him being a landlord and somebody privately? OK. All right. All right. Thanks, David. Bye. Good to hear from you. And John's with us now. Hi, John. Hi there, my boy. Yes, um, I went along to the um, the public meeting of the uh, Manx Development Corporation for the the wonderful project that they put forward behind the nurses' home. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are sustainability consultants and have been for over twenty years. We completed a pair of um, two passive houses in Victoria Road at the beginning of last year, which we've been now. I've been living in one of them with my family for a year totally validated the concept you know uh, energy bills are virtually nothing you know under 100 pounds a quarter for, for heating and or off peak off peak usage um i went along there expecting to see you know incredible sort of use of modular technology and construction and everything else and i was quite shocked when it, i was told that basically that at the moment they're sort of looking at to build the whole thing out of masonry um, and the reason, the reason was that effectively there's the expertise to work with modular construction doesn't exist on the island. And I explained to them that, you know, well, we, we've been tra- training people up over here. We've been engaging with um, opportunities in, uh, in education, both on and off island, to, to basically bring people up to speed. And yet they, they didn't really seem to have an answer to that. But having looked into it a bit further, my biggest concern is, as I understood it, the Douglas, the Manx, um, the Manx, oh God, the Manx <laughs> Development Corporation was brought into being to manage brownfield sites that belong to government. Yeah. Now, the best part of half of that site belongs, has got private owners. Now, MDC is, a, is effectively a private company, so they can't they can't use the compulsory purchase option. What are they going to do if they start this project? Buy out everybody but one person who just says, "Right, I want ten million pounds for my bit of land." You know, I mean, it's madness. I mean, just what have they thought? It, I, I just cannot believe we spent so much money on this, and effectively, you know, they're just well. I mean, it's apart from the fact that architecturally, it's it's you know, it's redolent of all the worst possible 
developments that you could you you could see. You, I mean, you if know, this I had been that, if this had been a groundbreaking design, you know, even if it, if it had been groundbreaking and fairly garish, it wouldn't have mattered oh, because the fact yeah. is that you're doing something new. But if this is a, a statutory public body behaving like a private concern, surely that flags up well, all it, sorts well, of. Well, it is a it, it is a private concern, isn't it? It works at arm length from government, but it's technically a private company. Now, you know, we were, we, in 2009, we bought the uh, architect, the Swedish architect, Hans Eko, to the island to, to talk to the government and also to local, local, local people and local developers about his past, you know, the passive. He was the co-founder of the passive house movement with Wolfgang Feist, the German, um, you know, uh, he runs the German passive house movement. And as a direct result of that, in it was about 2000, was it 2010? Might have been a bit later. The government built the pair of passive houses at Janet's Corner, but again, they 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 used a masonry system there, and it took it took months to to build, went way over budget. Now we've we've to, we, with our development here, what we've done is we've taken the basic concept design of what they've done there, we've linked it into the very the modular system that we use. I mean, the pair of houses went up wind tight and water tight in four days. You know, now the thing is, they could use this system on the townhouses in this development. Uh, now, Hans in, is now it, it basically is working with a team in Sweden at the moment, and they've just completed and fully validated um, pr- uh, apartment blocks in Sweden, which actually are below carbon neutral, right? And we could that could be run out here. I mean, the technology is available here as well as it is across the whole of Europe. Okay, well, just a final Um, word, uh, John. I mean, does this look like a flagship project to you? No, no, it doesn't. It's it's an absolute travesty. I mean, it really is. You know, I would expect something like this maybe in the 1960s or 70s because it looks very much like projects that were that are built across the UK or the British Isles in, in that period, you know. OK, all right, John, we've got to go, but thanks for calling today. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com. Helping Isle of Man companies and citizens to understand net zero targets and the green future. Just a quick uh, update on that insurance. Roger called to say that the lady with the insurance question, he says, uh, Lloyd stopped doing using AXA a while back. I think Alliance, uh, it was taken uh, the place of AXA. Maybe that's the issue. Uh, and a WhatsApp from Bill to say 90% of the land uh, is government-owned. Well, that's not 100%, is it? Uh, by the way, just a quick update. Uh, yes, that bus cap, uh, bus fare cap has been extended to the end of March. Bus fares are going to remain capped at £2 until March the 31st. And the good news is that restrictions placed on bird keepers in the west of the Isle of Man have been lifted after no new cases of avian influenza were identified uh, this month. They've done a 10-kilometre surveillance zone and a smaller protection zone that's been in place since the 28th of December after farm birds near Patrick died of the H5N1 avian flu. But everything is okay now. Restrictions on uh, bird keepers in the west of the Isle of Man have now been lifted. Uh, that's it for Man in Line. Going to be back tomorrow. Another open line boiling away from 12 midday. And thanks to Howie Kane on the phones today. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. W I N T.